Welcome to Cloudlandia, Mr. Sullivan. Mr. Jackson, the reason I'm late is because I pressed the wrong number and then someone answered and they wouldn't let me off the phone. Oh. So, you know, it's I can't say it's a new Cloudlandia experience. It's a very old Cloudlandia experience. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> it's like a flat tire. Yeah. It's like a flat tire. <laughs> that's funny. Or the engine overheated, you know. <laughs> Something like that. I ended yeah. up this I had an adventure this week with my Tesla. I had a Tuesday morning. I've been I've got that blocked in my calendar now is my studio morning. So I go in from ten o'clock till twelve o'clock. I've got booked for podcasts at the recording studio. And Tuesday morning, I got up, I went, I usually stop over at the Honeycomb Cafe on my way. And I was leaving the house, I'm on my way and coming out the gate of Valhalla. And I saw this little notification on my screen that said acceleration and speed limited. And I thought, Oh, was I too enthusiastic coming out of the, are they like monitoring me and tell, Hey, slow down, buddy. But it turns out when I got to Honeycomb, I went in and had, had coffee. I came back out and then nothing would, the car wouldn't go into gear. It wouldn't do anything. It was like, you know, you're stuck basically. There's no way. It's not like the engine doesn't turn over. It's just nothing mm-hmm. would, nothing would happen. So I had to, you know, I had a podcast scheduled at, at 10 o'clock and it's you know 20 to 10 now so i called uh, i got on uber and i got had an uber come and pick me up and take me to the studio and while i was there i called lillian and told her what happened and said i needed her to be the who on this so she got on with tesla and had roadside assistance come and they checked it out and they took the car to tampa to the Tesla center. And turns out I need a new battery, like the big battery, you know, something occasionally those, the batteries fail. So full, still covered under warranty and everything, but that was a, that was an interesting experience. And now it's, I've got a, they gave me a, a loaner that's, you know, the same X like you guys have. So now I have a new loaner and hope soon we'll have a new battery in mine. But just the whole, I, you know, I've just been observing things lately and noticing how like Cloudlandia, these things really are like really the fact that I'm stuck on the mainland and I needed to move my meat robot over to the studio to be there in person. And I just went on up into Cloudlandia and said, hey, Uber, come get me. I need a ride over here. And they were there in it and took me there. And, you know, Lillian, who not how, it was a great size in both who not how. Cloudlandia and who not how. Because yeah. I didn't want to have to, I didn't have to deal with any of it. I just said, Lillian, here's what happened. Good luck. And by the time I was done with the podcast, everything was. I wonder what happens control. to those I wonder what happens to those batteries when they're Jesus, heavy. They're pretty big. They weigh a, th- they, they weigh a thousand pounds. I mean, they, yeah. they're they a substantial battery. 
Yeah, it's like the whole, it's, it's the whole bottom of the car. It's like a big <laughs> skateboard, isn't it? Is that what we are? It's yeah. like we're sitting on top of a big electric battery skateboard. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're, uh, you have a battery with four wheels. Is yeah, that's really what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I wonder what I mean. Is there a graveyard? Is there, a, you know, is there a, a deep mine? I don't know. Is there they, a rehabilitation process for them? Yeah, I, mean, I just wonder. I just wonder. Yeah, I know it takes a lot to make one of them. I was reading an article that said that they're from 17 different countries, 500,000 pounds of original material are needed for the process of getting the ingredients for a thousand pound battery. So there's a yeah, lot Michael, of- Yeah, Michael, it's funny, Michael Moore- There's a lot remember, of- Yeah. Michael Moore did a documentary about you know, the green energy uh, things where like really showing how much- um, Stuff. How much stuff it requires, how much resources it takes to create an electric, vehicle and then nobody really comments on the actual what it takes to make the electricity that powers it <laughs> you know it's just yeah so- yeah it was interesting this this week i was pay- paying attention to some of the articles that popped up with nuclear fusion you know there this was nuclear fusion week and apparently yeah. at lawrence livermore labs in berkeley california they had tested and repeatedly tested and got a result, which kind of indicates that you actually can <clears throat> sometime in the future get full power out of mm. nuclear fusion. And this is different from nuclear fission, which we've been getting, you know, we've been getting <clears throat> large amounts of energy out of since the atom bomb in 1945. But anyway, but. Everybody was excited about this, and all of a sudden, a whole bunch of articles that appear, free, unlimited, clean energy just around the corner. But the corner, as far, when I put a whole bunch of articles together, seems maybe around 2050, maybe 2050, oh, okay. 2040. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting how Oprah, hope reigns eternal. You know, when, you know, mm-hmm. you create something new, but they, you know, they, the process of getting the breakthrough from its first proof in the lab to getting it available on your light switch is still a ways mm-hmm. away. <laughs> yeah. I saw and it. I call it a I dazzling see. possibility. Yeah. It's in the realm of a dazzling dazzling possibility. I saw an interesting chart in The Economist that showed the the deadliest sources of power kind of thing. Like coal is at the top of the list, the most fatalities from coal. But nuclear is way down at the bottom along with solar. But Mm -hmm. I believe, I wanted to say solar was above wind was the lowest and then nuclear and then solar because apparently you know people fall people die falling off roofs installing the solar panel yeah. <laughs> there's actually more people die from solar than <coughs> nuclear 
<laughs> and nuclear is because the you know you think of Chernobyl, the real the death toll yeah. in Chernobyl was about a hundred people, I think. But yeah, the world total since 1945, if you don't count the two bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The world total of deaths from nuclear is under 200. And Chernobyl, Chernobyl would be a big chunk yeah. of that. And, uh, and the U.S. Navy, which has been using nuclear since 1955, I think that all their aircraft carriers and all of their submarines, 19, 1955, have been nuclear, you know, that, uh, and they switched over. And they I don't think they've had any deaths related to On the <clears> submarines <throat> or anything. On the submarines so or aircraft. Are, are those submarines, like, am I to understand this right, that these nuclear submarines are just self-perpetuate, that they don't need to refuel, you don't need any, add anything to it, that they're self yeah. I mean, with the nuclear oh. generator? Well, I had a nephew, what, what? I, a nephew of mine was on a nuclear sub, you know, his total tour, you know, the different times he was out, he was, he had a 25-year naval career, and he, it was all on naval subs. And he said, theoretically, yeah, well, you shouldn't even be listening in on my conversation, Siri. Yeah, really, actually. <laughs> kind of rude, actually. And any anyway, anyway, um, he said theoretically they can go seven or eight years without refueling, but they do check up on things because humans can't, <laughs> humans can't go seven or eight years without coming up for a break. You know? Right, right, so, right. Yeah, yeah. And the aircraft carriers are about the same. I think it's seven or eight years before they need mm-hmm. a complete, you know. And they have to be in port, you know, for three or four months to handle it. And anyway, but uh, yeah, I mean, theoretically, they can just, for wartime purposes, they're eternal machines. They can go the whole war. Yeah. They can go the whole war. The whole war, yeah. And they build the reactor first, and then they build the ship around the reactor. So that goes in the dry docks where they build these things. The reactor goes in, and then everything else is built around it. And uh, yeah, we've got a client in Wyoming <clears throat> who is now building the new TerraPower. <clears throat> I think that's Bill Gates' project. And he's got contracts for five of them in Wyoming. And they're, you know, they're, they're not probably as big as your entire house. They're probably mm-hmm. not as big as your entire house. And the neat thing about them, first of all, they use spent nuclear fuel. So they found a way of getting extra oomph out of power that's already been disposed with from big, big nuclear plants. And then they have a way of reprocessing it. And then it, the power that comes from that. So it's got much, it, it can't explode and it can't melt down and everything else. So they, wow. First of all, I mean, it's interesting. They've found another use for nuclear waste. and But he's got contracts for five of them within the next, I think, five years. They'll be built within five years. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And when you think about it, think about how much sense this makes because there's the company TSMC, which is the top chip maker 
in the world in their Taiwan company. They're mm-hmm. building a new plant for 20,000 workers north of Phoenix in the United States. And, uh, oh, wow. Phoenix, Phoenix being a further distance from China than Taiwan. Okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that be that being some of the rationale for <laughs> building the building the new factory. And anyway, they have twenty thousand, and it's going to take a you know it's going to take a huge amount of electricity off the Arizona grid. I mean, if it was just an ordinary factory, but chip making factories use two or three times the energy to you know to create the chips. So yeah. this w- it would make sense just not to have that factory on the grid. You know, they would just have their own nuclear, oh, their right. nuclear re- reactor, you know. And Celebration, Celebration could just have its own nuke. You know, wouldn't have to be connected to the grid in Florida. Yeah. That's true. I think there, oh. there is a... Okay, so Siri uh, is um, really getting up to me today. Siri's going; she's really going backward, and she's going backward in evolution here. So mm. I'm going to I'm going to introduce her to a concept called death. Here, just hold <laughs> on a second. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, I'm just going to. So funny. Yeah, I'm just. I'm just, I, I've just effectively eliminated the existence of Siri. There we go. Yeah. So I have a, I have an up- a digital death. She just suffered a digital death. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. I have a field report update for the VCR file. And good. So the VCR formula, of course, vision plus capability. Multiply by reach. That's the formula. So my friend Jesse Desjardins, who was used to work with me, was one of the first. We were the first job that he had. He's a designer. Was a designer when we first met him, but he went on to, you know, bigger things. He became the head of of social media for. Australia and turned the Australia social medias into the number one destination in the world. He was, you know, recognized as one of the 10 most powerful people in travel. I think I've mentioned him in the past. Now his current project is he is heading the social media for the Neom project in Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. Where mm. you know they're they're basically bringing online a whole new region. You know they've never developed this whole area, and it's this you know magical wonderland in Saudi Arabia uh, that they're essentially what Dubai did. You know where they built the city from nothing, kind of thing. That's what they're mm-hmm. planning to do out in in Neom. And I've been watching. You know, on Jesse's, he's gone out like exploring the territory and stuff and showing the scenery out there. Like just the landscape is like another world, like nothing, you know, it's like a combination (laughs) of the most beautiful areas of like Sedona or Utah, the monument, the red rock 
areas and and, and the sun and everything about it is stunningly beautiful, but nobody's ever seen it. It's like going to Mars. It's like it's been isolated for so long, nobody even knows what this is about. And so Jesse, he texted me, he used the VCR formula on this. So he had a vision mm-hmm. that to get every all eyes on Neom, on this whole region, so he had the vision for that. Then he thought to himself, okay, we need the capabilities and reach for this now. So he invited Getty Images, you know, the big commercial yes. photography image, probably the top one in the world. So yeah. he, took, he invited Getty to send, invite their top 10 photographers to come and explore all of Neom. And every one of those top 10 photographers has, you know, millions of reach individually on all Mm -hmm. the people who follow their stuff along with Getty. So, you know, he invites all those people, you know, who not how and VCR formula combination there is inviting all of those people to explore and document Neom. And then they're there, they were there just last just last week doing all this hunting of the thing. So it'll reach to millions of people now where people will be mm-hmm. seeing for the first time this whole region of, of Saudi Arabia. I thought that was pretty brilliant. You know, he was he consciously mm-hmm. set out to apply the VCR mm-hmm. formula to this and that was mm-hmm. what he came up with. I thought This was based you know, on conversations with you about the formula. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Mm, yeah. And so that's yeah, pretty, I was so, I was like a proud papa there, you know, seeing yeah. my boy coming up with these great um, yeah. ideas. Yeah. It's so good. I always tease his father, Ivan, is a good friend of mine, <laughs> my age. And we that's how I met Jesse, is Ivan and I were real estate agents together in mm-hmm. Georgetown. We came up at the same time. We were the young guys then, but then, uh, you know, he had Jesse. So Jesse was, when he first started working with us, he was 18, mm-hmm. you know, uh, developing there. But I was joke with Ivan, we get, you know, co-ownership of Jesse. If I claim him as my boy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's so great to see. It's so great to see. Yeah. Well, the other thing, which I'm sure has come to your notice, but it's just popped up really big among some of the other free zone clients is from OpenAI, this new tool, the chat GTB. But yeah, Mike Koenix and I had a podcast with it yesterday afternoon, and we actually invited the technology and as our third partner going forward on our podcast. And what we'll do is we'll go, we have everything on Otter AI, which means the, our, you know, our talking is recorded by Otter AI. And then we went through something and it was kind of significant. So we stopped and Mike just while we were right on air just pulled off the transcript 
from AI, and then he put in some directions for it to turn it into a little sales letter. And it was actually very good. It was actually the, you know, you just instruct the chat, the chat AI, and that says, I want a really upbeat, sort of punchy sales letter, and with the five most important bullet points of it. And it came up, and Mike made a few more adjustments, and we did it. And I said, well, I think we're going to have this as a offer. Um, you know, we'll have an offer on the podcast that, you know, if you send, we'll send you the, you know, we'll send you the output that the uh, AI mm-hmm. program makes on, on each episode. We'll have an output mm-hmm. and you can see it. And the other one I did is he did a, he did a little biography of me uh, okay. before I came on and then he showed me and it was really well written. The facts were yeah. all wrong. Yeah, they, 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 uh, yeah. the I mean, I mean, he had me belonging to organizations <laughs> that I've never been to and having awards yeah. from organizations I've never had. I mean, if you didn't know the truth, very convincing. <laughs> if you didn't this know the great. truth. I love uh, it. To say it with uh, confidence. Extremely. So aside from extremely, all the yeah, extremely well-articulated lies. Uh, I'll put yeah, it that aside way. Aside from that. And... Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, I went that and then we went back and corrected the memory thing else. And I said, can you write it as if Donald Trump had written it? And about three minutes later, and it was really good. I mean, it was, uh-huh. <laughs> it was really good. I mean, you know, and that the last sentence is Dan Sullivan in his work is going to save America. He's going to save America. He's been tremendously successful with helping entrepreneurs with that backbone of america yeah so so anyway i found it and then my tech team leader glenn roberts was here two days in our middle house here because they had a eos meeting so the implementer yeah oh she's you know she's at me she's like she's like a stalker oh my goodness yeah, she's like a stalker, Dean. I don't know what to do here. I'm going to put, I have a refrigerator well, here. I'm going, to take my, I'm, I'm going to take my watch over and I'm going to put it in the freezer. And I'm, <laughs> <laughs> like she's obsessed with you, Dad. She uh, she, you yeah, yeah, I mean, she's a stalker, you know, a digital mm. stalker, you know. So. And, and worse than that, she doesn't understand, you know, which is even worse. Someone's <laughs> stalking what I you. understand <laughs> That's the problem, Siri. If you don't even see that. Yeah, yeah. That's been mostly her that's been mostly her pickup line so far. I don't understand Mm -hmm. you, eh? Could you repeat what you said? I don't think that's I don't think that's a good pickup line. Anyway, yeah. So anyway, but I was you know, I went on YouTube and I watched some short YouTubes on this G G B. GPB, GTB, GT, GPT, yeah, GBT, yeah, the P, GBT, that's yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, it's it seems, you know, it seems kind of revolutionary, actually, you know, it, but boy, you really have to know what you want, <clears throat> you know, and so the world is filled with people who don't know what they want, so they're if they use this, they will multiply the number of things that they don't want. Well, I think that you just hit it on the head. That's, you know, it's the thing 
I think part of the reason that if we think about the imagine if you applied your you applied yourself formula, yes. that the imagine is the first part <laughs> that you can't even <laughs> you've got to start with imagine. If you can't imagine it, then how are you going to apply it? You know. Yeah. So yeah. But There's I no think spark, that part but... of the that that really takes the capabilities, you know, really multiplies your capabilities there. Somebody was like, our minds are not even equipped yet to wrap around what the potential of this is. Yeah. Like where I saw somebody. Well, I think my my solution to it, because I am going to do it, but I'm going to have Glenn who has already mastered how you get on and how you have uh-huh. the different, but I'm going to have him between me and the technology and I'm just going right. to write him little fast filters and say, yeah. you know, this is what I would like a, you know, I would like a AI that can do this type of writing. Okay. Yeah. And he'll go back and forth with me. So it's my typical approach to all technology. Generally, I want a smart human between me and the technology. I was thinking the same thing. I spent I spent a little time yesterday morning playing around with it. And I was asking, I said, you know, my question was, tell me about the history of the printing press. And then it went, you know, back to the earliest times I talked about Gutenberg and when all these things and I look at it because then I asked who what was the word that I used but who commercialized printing or who were the first businesses to emerge after printing and it was talking about you know newspapers and book publishing and how that all emerged out of the Thing and then I, I said, "What was the first newspaper?" And it started telling me about the Daily Current in London in the 1600s, and then by this gentleman. And so I just look at it as a very conversational, you know, research sherpa in a way. Right? Yeah, like if you think yeah, about the it interesting like that, thing like, I know, was out there. Yeah. I was, Mike and I were talking about who gets impacted by the right away. And I think it's Google and Wikipedia get get impacted by this because it seems to me that it's going to be attractive to people who are searchers, you know, mm-hmm. that, that have questions and, you know, want to have it more that they're doing it with a companion, you know, that as a responsive companion will do that. I mean, I mean, found that first of all, I checked in with Socrates. On your referral, I uh-huh. contacted this AI did you, program called... Did you called, tell him uh, to drop my name? Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. Dude, that's the uh, secret. Uh, <laughs> just said, uh, I, I, yeah. As I, yeah. It's not like you're a friend of Bill, you know. It's different right. than that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, man, that's so, so anyway, I I asked him what was his take on intellectual property, and what was really interesting because if they're going to be at all truthful about these characters, they can't have knowledge outside of their historic time. You know, right. they and he grappled with it. He grappled with mm. it, you know, and he came back by asking me all sorts of questions. He says, you're talking about ideas that are property, right? And I said, yeah, that's the correct. And he said, well, 
you sure you're not being delusional about this, that your ideas can actually be sold as property? And I said, well, where I, li- where I live, and I said, in the time I'm living in, this is a pretty straightforward activity, and it's uh, credentialed and verified by the government. He says, well, is it a, you know, there's all kinds of different governments. And so, so the thing was, what I had the sense being just in relationship to the specific to- topic that I fed in, Mm -hmm. that it was maximizing the content that I was giving to it and then coming back with, which were pretty well, there There wasn't anything where I hadn't given the clue. You know, I hadn't given the clue. I got you. I was very impressed with, I was very impressed with. I thought it was very artful. I thought it was very artful. You know, it was, I mean, it was very sophisticated. And, you know, I've had, I've interacted with dumber human beings. (laughs) <laughs> yes, that's true. And theory. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, theory. That's, that's funny. And theory. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, the thing that I was, somebody pointed out to me that they had seen a video of this guy going one of the, you know, there's different, differently abled um, AI. Now, so it went to one that was got some, it's a write a song about this topic, you know. So they wrote like the lyric, lyrics to a song about this topic. And so he got that. Then he went to another AI and had it write, you know, a song, write a, the music for a song, you know, with this type of instruments and this type of tone and you know, timing and everything. And then he went to another AI that was like a voice AI and had it, you know, record the the vocals on the thing and they mixed it all together. And it became this, you know, he created a song basically from just his whim, you know, being able to describe. And I think that's really at the essence of what we're doing. I often think about your... 25 year commitment to writing what you want every day. And, you know, I think that level of just even asking that question hones that muscle, that muscle of identifying what you want. I think that I've been, I've lovingly started calling that whole whatmanship, you know, it's like the, the key to who, not how is being a good whatsman you know, knowing what you yeah. want, actually. Yeah. It's very interesting. I introduced a new tool into the free zone on, this would have been uh, Thursday, uh, two hours. It was in the afternoon. And it's a new tool. And it's mm-hmm. set up, you know, it's a, you know, standard-looking strategic coach tool. But the title mm-hmm. is 10 Unique Differentiators. And then you have 10 boxes, and uh, you'd be very familiar with the format, but there's two columns, so there's one Mm -hmm. through 10, and each number has two boxes with two different things that you put in each box. The first box is what your uniqueness is, and then the second box is how this differentiates you in the marketplace as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And I did 10 of mine, and mine were... In the form of tools, you know, they 
I would, you know, and I use the VODA formula, you know, that that's thinking, VODA-based thinking about your thinking, that, you know, the basic design formula for strategic coach tools is you have a vision, and then once you've stated the vision with a date and, you know, given some numbers to the vision, then you come back to the O, which is the obstacles. So V for vision, O for obstacles. And then this is everything that doesn't support this future result. And then you take each of the obstacles and you have a transformation that you have to make a decision. You have to stop doing something. You have to start doing Mm -hmm. something. You have to communicate something. So it's Mm -hmm. A. So it's vision, opposition, transformation, action. And Mm -hmm. that closes the cycle. And so essentially... All those things which seem to oppose your goals are actually the wrong mm-hmm. material for achieving your goals. So I put that down, and and then I put a few others. I put a few others down, and the point of this is that it's a forever tool. Mm-hmm. I got the other people on the call to do make a take a crack at two or three, where they're doing something unique, and I developing this in the course of their life. And I said, most of you are probably doing this when you were five or six, but you didn't have a business model for it. And now you're, you know, now you're using a lifelong uniqueness and now you're using it to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. And I went Mm -hmm. around and I just volunteered for about seven or eight of them. What I thought I saw as something unique they did and that how they had reported that they actually differentiated in the marketplace. And so everybody did it. And then they and then they get, went into breakout groups and they talked about what they'd gotten out of it. And then we came back and we talked about it in the general session. And it was probably as good a two hours as I've had in th- 33 years. People suddenly... Somebody was this, was this a free zone or 10 times? Free free zone. Uh, yeah, free zone. I'm surprised I missed it. I remember. Yeah, it was Thursday. Uh, I think it was. Yeah, it was thir- Thursday afternoon, okay. Eastern time. Oh, uh, and yeah. Anyway, but I said, and I and they said, now what do we do with the tool? And I said, well, we'll revisit it on a quarterly basis. And and it's like you got something stuck in your tooth right now. Your tongue isn't going to let right. let go of this. You know, right. that now you're going to be bouncing this model that you're creating off your actual yeah. experience. Okay. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. you'll rewrite it. You'll rewrite it every quarter. And, but, and, you know, and somebody said, well, what if there's 11? I said, no, I'm sorry. It's 10. Yeah. You know, and I said, 11 won't do you. If 10 isn't doing you any good, 11 won't make it better, you know. But I said, what you're going to do is that you're going to keep refining distinctions, you know, that there's a certain something that you do. And none of us just do a one thing. We have a stack of, you know, yeah. unique things I like that, that we that's, do. Uh, that's what uh, like Scott Adams talked about, your talent. Scott Adams, yeah. Unique, unique. Yeah. yeah, the talent stack, yeah. Uh-huh. And, and, yeah, and we, you know, so... And anyway, but all of a sudden people got really centered, you know, that you could feel mm-hmm. that there was this centering going on. And it was, you know, I just finished the talk up on Tuesday and I said, you know, I went to the college, St. John's, where you spend four years reading the great 
thinkers of the world from the Greeks right up to Einstein. Uh And the whole point is that you get to know yourself as a result of this great thinking. And Mm -hmm. I said, the last two hours, I never had a two-hour discussion during the four years at St. John's. That equaled the depth of understanding and insight of the two hours that we just went through. Mm -hmm. And, And part of the reason was is that it was entirely an academic, you know, an academic setting where the teachers had been in, were in their 50s and 60s but had never been anywhere except school since they since they were 5 years old and students were anywhere from 18 years old to you know 23 i was 27 i was older but they didn't really have any world experience you know they hadn't really uh-huh. gone out and tried to put a price on their uniqueness in the marketplace and so anyway but it was really interesting because remember when we spoke last week and you introduced me to the socrates ai yeah i said you know the ai that i would really like to have is the one with myself where Mm -hmm. i'd like to have a conversation with myself on an ongoing basis where the there is a record of what i've previously said uh-huh. And uh, the AI can access things that I brief- briefly said and says, you know, is this kind of like what you said before about this and this? And I think I would find that a very pleasing experience. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, think about there's so much recorded. There's so much recorded stuff. You think about even just the podcast. Just you, that and, you've just you and just what we've created together. There's hundreds yeah. of hours here. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Well, the yeah. funny thing, the new one, the, the you know, the new AI that we were talking about from Open mm-hmm. Open AI, not accessing the internet at all. They're just accessing the the growing body of knowledge. They said that that we're not sure yet. We want to access the internet as the body of the language. Yeah, I um, saw the thing was, it was, you know, the, everything was frozen, like, in 2021 kind of thing. So it doesn't, because it was gathered from, you know, every scanning, everything, kind of, its base of knowledge is everything up to 2021. Yeah. It's the, is the thing. So that, I found that interesting, too. Yeah. But, you know, it dawned on me, Dan, as you're, you know, I've been thinking about the, you know, each step in the imagine if you applied yourself formula and there's a strategic coach tool for each of the things or tools. I mean, when you look at, the, yeah. you know, imagine is impact filters. It's more, what would this look? What would be the best thing? What would be the worst thing? Why are you thinking of this? What would it look like if it was all done? And then immediately slide over to if, Okay, so if that's the vision, then that's immediately yeah. sets up for the strategy circle. Of if yeah. that's going to be true, then what's in the way or what's the things that need to get uh, done there? And then you, what you, yeah, just, we have, uh, uh, you, you were just describing your unique differentiator. But I'm most excited about this expanded, extended, and expansive vision of yourself including 
your well, yeah, your, this is what I'm getting. Uh, yeah. This is what I'm getting because it could cue you to remember experiences and then describe mm-hmm. the experiences, and that would become part of the knowledge base of the AI. Would be things that you remember, but you get rewarded for. You know, you're getting a bigger and bigger reward for remembering things, you know, yeah. and uh, and uh, I'm doing it's, it's a very fascinating. So I'm going to this clinic in Nashville, Tennessee, and it's with a returnee to Strategic Coach who started in the 10 times program about 10 years ago. And he came right back in and he came right back into Free Zone, Dr. David Hasse. I don't know if you've ever met him, H-A-S-E. And he's got a clinic in Nashville, which is now our top of the mountain overall clinic for all things medical and healthcare that we do. And oh, we go wow. for four days. We go for four days every quarter. And the it's a general checkup. And then it's a plasma exchange. So the first Wow. Uh, two vi- two visits we make, they take all the blood out of your body, simultaneously putting it back in, which is an important step. And right. yeah, and they take out your old plasma and they replace it with new new plasma because at 78 years old, I've acquired a lot of heavy metals since I was a kid, mm. you know, lots of fish and everything else. And that does not leave the body except through this particular process. So Wow. So I so I I've had to, it takes three or four hours to do it. And, but anyway, one of the things shown up is brain scans is that he said, you know, if you look at your brain scans, it's really remarkable. You're as successful as you are. (laughs) (laughs) You're getting, you're doing all this with this brain? Take a look at, hey, Bob, take a look at Yeah, and I said, well, you know, there's workarounds, you know. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you a little something about who, not how. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, let me tell you something about Adderall. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so anyway, he said, it's not, he said, and what I'm going to tell you isn't going to affect your intelligence. So we're not talking about the intelligence of your brain, but he says it has to do with alignment of whether your brain is fully engaged in exactly what you're doing, you know, during your active hours and during your sleeping hours. And right now, yours is significantly out of whack, you know, just by the scans, he says, we can tell. Mm -hmm. So, and he says, there's a great clinic, and it just happens to be in Toronto, who've developed a new brain sensor device that they put on your head you know, and it's lots of little sensors, but they're all coordinated in sort of sort of a net, so they can just put the net on and then just rearrange the sensors. And then they have a 40-minute, it's called NeuroPotential, that's the name of the clinic, NeuroPotential. And then they, the only thing you're doing during the 40 minutes after they put the, the sensor net on your head is that you're watching a movie of your choice. So i shows Lord of the Rings because it's a long movie, you know, it's two or th- it's three movies, it's about seven hours total. So, and you watch it and you're watching the movie and all of a sudden the screen goes dark and you're 
the sound goes off, but the movie is continuing to run. And it mm. means that your brain went someplace else. It wasn't watching the movie. And the moment oh that, my God. Uh, their, their machine senses that, the and your brain gets alerted by this because you were getting a, an award for the movie, you know, because visually you were getting rewarded. And yeah. from an audio standpoint, you're rewarded. And then it comes back on. And so first crack at it, I did number seven yesterday. I did I did my seventh checkout. So and so you, you go in to the clinic to do this? Yeah, go to a clinic. They're up at mm -hmm. the top of the they're up at the top of the okay. Allen Expressway in Shepherd, right up there. Right. Okay. Right wow. up in, right. Yeah, you know, I mean, we took extra oxygen, and I made sure my I shots. Were so up you're really date. like expanding your territory here. You're going out, yeah, to yeah. the osteostrigs, yeah. and going out to the you're going yeah, out I, to the far reaches. Yeah, I had my passport. I, I made sure my health card and everything <laughs> was up to uh -huh. <laughs> up to date, and uh, you know, you know, who to call in case of you know an right, emergency. Exactly. <laughs> So anyway, so I've gone up there, and so I would say in the first 40-minute session, the movie went in and out about 15 times, okay? Okay. So then, and you don't do anything. Your brain does it all. So there's no active effort or anything that you can do about it, okay? And your brain will just adjust itself to come back and get back into the sight and sound of the movie. So anyway, then you come back for the second time, and uh, and I went through the movie and almost no interruption during the second time. So I asked her, how come there were no interruptions? And she said, well, that's how much your brain has improved from last time. So the second time through, we just start you off with the same level of programming as the last time, but we don't change it. And it means that as a result of the first movie, your movie has improved that much of staying with the movie. Wow. And then I came back for the third one, and it was difficult again because now they've raised the difficulty. They've raised the dif difficulty. And again, it was the same frequency of interruptions, and I did it. And then number four, I was good again. So my brain is getting better and better at doing this. But what I've noticed, I, I have an aura ring, you know, for tracking sleep. And all of yeah. a sudden, usually my sleep or you know, the score for sleep is in the low 80s. And mm. about five times during the last month, I've been in the 90s. And I'd never had 90 scores, which means that when I'm sleeping, my brain is there. It's, you know, it's not. It's, You're not going to, you know, this is, that's something I track that too. And I'm usually in the low 80s or high 70s sometimes and but lupa is almost always in the 90s and she rocked out with a 99 the other day i've never seen oh, a yeah. 99 well she's very high is 92 yeah but first time i met which was right where i'm sitting right now in the basement of our uh, middle house here in toronto mm -hmm. lupa is very serene I mean, you yeah. can tell she's she's kind of wherever she is, she's totally there. Yes, that's true. Yeah, and that's that a, would that's not amazing. Be, yeah, she's that a power sleeper. Yeah, that would not be true for either you or me. That's wherever <laughs> we are, that's where we <laughs> right, are. Right, right, right. <laughs>
I'll tell you a yeah. little funny. But what I find about this is this is just a an example of a digital feedback, you know, feedback machine where it's your own brain interacting with itself and making adjustments as a result of a you know, a stimulation. And, what is the and, name? And, do they have a website or is there a name of this process or anything? Well, it's to, just uh, called Neuropotential. The clinic is called Neuropotential. Neuropotential, uh, I mean, okay. Yeah, one word, one word, uh, yeah. all lowercase, and yeah. it's right, right there. So the thing about this is that the idea that has been dawning since you gave me the Socrates AI last week, and I just mm-hmm. tested it out, was that if you can have a deepening and deepening Claudlandia knowledge base of your own mm-hmm. thinking, and yeah. then you can converse and you can chat with your own. I think that's that's a better kind of educational system yeah. that you Wonder had. what would be, who would do that? Like, where would you take? Well, you know, you could check in with the people who are doing these characters. And I don't know anybody, but, you know, we have tech people and everything like that. So, you know, I'll just mm-hmm. start a query. And uh, maybe it's open AI, you know, maybe your services, services yeah, where you how do, do this. Create a, how do I create a... How do you create a... a uh, digital and, dean. Um, yeah. Digital, digital, di- digital dean and digital Dan, you know, and uh, right. we could have, and we could have a report each week on Welcome to Cloudlandia of what, what we found out about ourselves the previous yeah. week. I think that's amazing. Yeah. But this kind of really, see, this is what I think the essence of education is. And that is that you gain maximum future benefit from your past experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, well, we are living in interesting times. For sure. But I was thinking about, I was talking with Mike Koenigs yesterday, and I said, you know, my experience of really well-educated people, intelligent, well-educated people, is not the ones who have the answers, but it's really the people who have the questions. And it seems to me that this chat, you know, this chatbot in whatever form it shows up with is probably a lot better than any teacher, actual living teacher or yeah. professor I've had in my entire life. In terms of when you ask a question, they yeah. engage with you fully and they keep asking you to clarify your question and keep mm. supplying you with information. I don't, I can't remember any teacher or any professor who had that capability. Yeah. It's just getting better at those things. That's what I was yeah. doing with, with just getting better at the conversation. And that's yeah. just going to be a matter of putting in reps, learning, you know, what is the most fruitful, you know, what yields the yeah. most, best yeah. result. Yeah. Very interesting. The one thing I think I've just done a matrix comparison of the main ideas of Peter Diamandis with Peter Zion. I came up with 36 conflict points. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And the interesting thing about it is you've read enough to figure you've read enough Peter Zion that you could, you know, moonlight as the Peter Zion bot. Well, <laughs> the you know, I've got you a, could be the open AI. 
Well, I've drawn some conclusions from his thinking that he doesn't. If, I'm not sure he draws these conclusions and shares. Uh-huh. But one of them is, is that if you thought the United States was in a good position before, you have no idea what's coming because everything in the world that a country could have that would be on its side, the U.S. has it. You know, mm-hmm. and, and the thing that really came is that I think the U.S. is about to go into warp drive. You know, and I think, so but even the thing that. like these AI chatbots, I bet the customers are ninety percent American. You know, I bet ninety percent of the. So that this new chatbot from OpenAI, they had a million downloads in the first week. I said, I bet ninety percent of them are Americans. And the other mm-hmm. thing is that the language is strictly English. So the growing knowledge base is stricken. That doesn't mean that, you know, English-speaking people from outside the United States can't utilize it or they'll have translation, translation. But my sense is that it'll be by Americans for America. <laughs> it's like, that. right. Yeah. And, and so there's a feedback loop that Americans are having with themselves. You know, and uh, and uh, on a lot of different levels, economically, politically, socially, you know, and I mean, the thing that Musk is doing is really fascinating because he's actually really having the best possible college seminar on just what is the First Amendment? You know, what what yeah. is the freedom of speech? What is it? You know, and it's always been an open question. And, you know, that was a country of 3 million people, and now you have a country of 335 million, and it's got vastly more communication technologies where you can voice your opinion on anything. And what changes when you get that scaling of reach and everything like that? So I think he's having that. There was a CIA director who is going to be investigated in the coming congressional. He was he was throughout Obama's, I think, when Obama was president. But he's been slamming Elon Musk for his, you know, his suggesting that there was dodgy dealings going on in the deep bowels of the United States mm-hmm. government, you know, and, uh, and so he, you know, he has these multi-word tweets that he's slamming Elon Musk on Twitter, mm-hmm. by the way, <laughs> on Twitter, uh-huh, by the way. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And Musk sends back man in glass, man in glass house throws rocks. That was his answer. Wow. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's just having a fun break. Myself, it's forty-four billion to have a fun break. Right, exactly. This is going to be. I mean, these next two years are going to be a pretty amazing oh, time yeah. here, leading up to yeah. the election. You know, pretty good really... for a guy who used to work in a car wash in northern Toronto. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Anyway, I got a lot from today. Lots of pondering. I too, These are great I'll send you. I'll send you the worksheets. Uh, okay. The worksheets, yeah, I appreciate uh, it. I'll send that. I'll get it off before the end of the day. I saw you got your there. new. I saw thinking about your thinking book is ready. I'm sure that'll be arriving soon. Too. I can't yeah. wait. To, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had the first workshops last week. My last 
in-person workshop was on Tuesday. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. But it was uh, we go. very emotional, very emotional on everyone else's part. <laughs> <laughs> you were okay with it, yeah. <laughs> There's a new train moving, a new train leaving, you know. So anyway, but, right. but our coaches have to move up. So we have five coaches who are now jumping in 10 times. And that's important for our growth. Yeah, that's awesome. awesome. All right. Okay, Dan. Well, I don't know what you're doing on Christmas, but I'm here. Okay. Well, let's be text because I, I, nothing. Well, I Becca, you know. just let Becca know. Becca, you know, Becca controls my schedule. She'll, yeah. But I'm here. We're not going anywhere. We have a lot of travel in January and February, and we had a lot in November. So we're just chilling and cooling. Oh, perfect. Well, then let's do that. No, like nothing more than have a conversation. So let's plan on it, and then if something yeah. changes, I'll let you know for sure. But I would love that. Yeah. Wear something right. red. Wear something okay. red. Okay. okay, bye. I will do that. Bye.